Hello again, my soft-hearted listeners. Thanks for tuning back into A Soft Mess. It's Bear Lee, your host. We took a bit of a break for the holidays, but now we're back with some new content. This month's episode will be focusing on ADHD myths, tips, and tricks. I recently read a Twitter thread about ADHD by an adult with ADHD, and you can't imagine how much comfort I got from knowing that I may not be the only one with this kind of wiring in my brain. The thread really helped me think about how ADHD shows up in my life, and thinking about it made me realize that I've done a pretty good job managing my symptoms this past year since being diagnosed. I figure, if anything, we can talk about some of my least favorite myths while addressing ADHD symptoms, treatments, and the little things that have helped me along the way. Before we move forward, though, I wanted to give you all my favorite segment, where we define words and get on the same page. Words of the week. Words of the week. Words of the week. Yeah, words. This week, we'll be defining the different types of Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, or ADHD. ADHD is a complex disorder that affects the communication networks in the brain. The word deficit might be a little bit misleading though. I feel like I have more than enough attention, I just can't seem to focus it in the right directions. I feel like maybe attention deregulation might be a better way to describe the disorder. People with ADHD have trouble with focus and managing many aspects of everyday life. ADHD generally shows up in two different ways. People with the hyperactive impulsive type act as though sped up or driven by a motor. They may feel restless, squirm, and fidget, and talk quickly or at seemingly inappropriate times. Impatience and impulsivity are two defining characteristics of this type of ADHD. Others with the inattentive type are easily distracted and forgetful. They may lose track of keys, documents, and conversations easily. They're often distracted by external stimuli. And they may also hyperfocus for extended periods of time and forget about other, other tasks. There are also some people who display a combination of these symptoms. For example, one day I'll be hyper-focused on a task, forgetting to eat, drink water, go to the bathroom. Another day I'll be floating around from task to task, unable to finish a single one in a normal amount of time. And on an even different day, I might feel sped up and restless. ADHD looks different, and every case of ADHD will be unique to the individual. So now that we're hopefully on the same page about what ADHD means, it's time to dispel and talk shit about some of the myths about ADHD that are out there. These are some of the worst ones I've heard. Okay, so the first myth that I wanted to address was the simple one that ADHD isn't real. First of all, I just want to say that, yes, it fucking is. 
There are at least three genes that contribute to the presentation of ADHD, and even brain scans show that ADHD brains look different than neurotypical brains. We still don't really know whether those differences seen on those brain scans result in the behavioral patterns seen in those with ADHD. However, the science is there to suggest that ADHD is in fact a real and complex brain disorder. I know it's easier to say, oh, those symptoms, that's just the human condition. To some extent, it definitely is. At some points, we all struggle with focus in the hustle and bustle of this information-soaked world. But if you think those are just regular symptoms of being human, imagine having to deal with these things to a greater extent, to an extent with outcomes like job loss, expensive mistakes, anxiety, constant miscommunication, and so much more. Here's an analogy that helped me accept the existence of ADHD. Because at some point in my life, there was a time that I believed most of these myths. Here's that analogy. Everyone experiences shortness of breath at some point in their life. Under certain circumstances, it's unavoidable. If you're running a mile in the cold or climbing a huge set of stairs, perhaps. But not everyone has asthma. A person with asthma experiences trouble breathing in a more intense and potentially deadly way. The same can be said for ADHD. While everyone can experience symptoms of forgetfulness, loss of focus, and hyperactivity under certain circumstances, such as times of grief or excitement, those with ADHD experience them in more ways than one, in multiple settings, more severely and more frequently. The next myth I want to address is that taking ADHD medications um, is dangerous. I do want to preface this to say that overusing any medication is dangerous. That's, that's definitely a fact. But ADHD medications are no more dangerous than any other medications when used under the supervision of a doctor and as recommended. There are many different types of ADHD medications and I personally really don't know the difference between them and I couldn't break through my own ADHD brain in order to research them thoroughly enough to talk about them on the podcast. I can, however, talk about the differences that I personally felt on the two different medications that I've tried this past year, and those are Vyvanse and Adderall. The, um, the main differences I felt between the two medications is this. On Adderall, I felt it felt like my brain was functioning at a better capacity. I followed through on most tasks, I stayed on task more often, and finished tasks in the correct order. My body and brain still felt a little disconnected, and time felt like it was floating and unlinear. It still went fast and slow at the same time, but I could work through the time lapses a little bit better. On Vyvanse, my body and my mind felt connected. 
time slowed down to a regular pace, and a minute felt just like a minute, while an hour felt just like an hour. I was able to get tasks done without looking and feeling rushed. I was also able to finish things in an orderly fashion. I stopped losing things more often. I'm trying Adderall for a few more weeks to see if it's the right medication for me, but I have a feeling based on what I told you that I'll be going back on Vyvanse in the near future. Or maybe my psych will try another medication that I haven't heard of yet. I will report back. The third myth uh, that I want to address, and this is the last one, is that ADHD is a disciplinary failure. It's really not about discipline. It's not something that you can just grow out of. It's not something your parents did wrong, and you can't really think your way out of ADHD. Trust me, if you could, these racing thoughts would have gotten me to the finish line a long time ago. But it's true that developing a routine may cause symptoms to ease or disappear temporarily. So that's a relief. But with life changes, these symptoms can return twofold if you're not careful. So don't just assume that you grew out of your ADHD. Think about it this way. You develop some more coping mechanisms, healthy habits, and those brought you to a state in your ADHD that is bearable, that makes you feel like you can function on a pretty normal capacity. I really hate the term mental illness because a lot of people think about it in this abstract way, something you can just think or pray or train yourself out of. It really isn't. It's a disorder of the brain and it affects the functions of the brain. So yes, routines, medications, and healthy habits can help reduce the severity of the symptoms, but ADHD and other mental illnesses are not, not something that just go away. There's something we have to manage every day. We don't get a break, not a real one. So yeah, those are my least favorite comments people have made about ADHD that I've personally heard. Uh, these are the things I heard when I was young, and I still hear them into my adulthood about the disorder. Part of the reason that it took me so long to get diagnosed was because I didn't believe that ADHD could be a real thing or that it was really that severe. I had no idea that most of what I had been going through as a child and still am going through was ADHD. So how do we manage the symptoms of ADHD? How do I personally keep to a schedule, remember to take my meds, drink enough water, cook dinner, work on several projects, schedule doctor's appointments, socialize with friends, and juggle a, a day job? Well, to be honest, on some days I don't. Some days I can't get everything I hope to done. But Mostly, what I need to do is taken care of, and I do have a routine that works for me, at least most of the time. Before I get into my daily routine and those tips and tricks I have for y'all, 
I just wanted to say that it's totally okay to be in a trial and error phase of your ADHD. You may be trying out different medications, coping mechanisms, organizational techniques, treatment styles, and technologies, and it's okay if something that works for most people doesn't work for you. If nothing from my list actually works for you, that's completely normal. If anything, I want this section of the podcast to just spark ideas for you. Ideas of things that are relevant to your lifestyle and your day-to-day tasks. So here are some of the ways that I've tried to incorporate different habits and different types of technology and services into my daily life in order to help my ADHD brain. So one of the first things I tried last year was those tile trackers that you've uh, probably seen and heard of. They're these little squares that you attach to your keys or they also have a wallet um, tile tracker that you just slip inside of your wallet and they are Bluetooth enabled and they have a pretty long range and they track your they track your items for you so if you leave them somewhere you're able to find their location on your phone and another really cool thing about them was that if you lost your phone but you had one of your tile trackers you can click it it had a button on it and it would ping your phone for you and find your phone so that was pretty useful because i was constantly losing either my phone or my wallet or my keys but i realized that the tile trackers just cost more money than i really wanted to spend so i ended up returning them and just figuring out a habit that I could do every single day that would then cause me to remember the things that I needed to remember. And one of those habits was leaving things that I really need in plain sight. I know it sometimes looks a little bit messy or it gets cluttered, but as long as you're not leaving everything out, I think a couple of important things and a couple of different nooks and crannies that are visible to the eye, especially as you're leaving the house, is really important. So I found a space right above my um, exit door in the RV that I can put my phone, my wallet, and my keys, or actually just my wallet and my keys, and I have my phone on my bedside table in the morning. But that's the first place that I look before I leave the house. And so it's perfect because I never forget those things anymore. Another thing I started doing was getting ready the night before. So I get all of my clothes ready the night before. I put them by the space heater in the morning so they're nice and toasty. And I don't have to worry about figuring out what I'm going to wear the next day. I usually wake up pretty groggy in the morning and I don't have enough focus or enough energy to really figure out where my clothes are, which clothes I'm going to pull out, which underwear I'm going to wear, you know, and it just ends up being a whole ordeal if I don't get ready the night before. So I started just 
getting ready the night before, making it really easy for myself, and leaving my backpack that I usually bring for work right by my shoes, which is a space that I'm always going to look at because I'm going to grab my shoes to put them on. And so just adding little habits into your routine, either the night before or just throughout the day, um, it's pretty important. It can really change the way that your brain functions and remembers things. I've also tried different apps that let you create to-do lists and check things off of lists in order to show productivity, track productivity, and help you remember the things that you need to do throughout the day. The two apps that I've tried are Todoist and Habitica. Right now I'm using Todoist and that's spelled T-O-D-O-I-S-T, all one word. Um, it's this app that lets you create lists and subcategories and reminders and it's just very convenient if you have projects that you're working on that you want to categorize as business, home, um, personal, things like that. And what's really cool about it too is you can share lists with other people and assign people tasks on those lists. So if you have a partner or a friend that you're working on a project with or just any sort of person that you're in a relationship with that you're able to do tasks together and need to remind each other of things. If you're both using the app, y'all can share a list and share those tasks with each other and set dates and reminders for each other as well. So that's super convenient for me because I am working on several projects with different people. And so I'm able to share those lists with these people and get those things done in a timely fashion without being worried that we're not keeping track of these things the same way because we actually are. We're using the same app and we're able to remind each other. So Todoist has been the most successful for me so far because I'm at a point where I can keep these lists in order and remember to check the app and cross things off and uh, I pay attention to the reminders, but when I'm in a really depressive cycle, it's, it's hard for me to get out of bed, to listen to my reminders, and to just do the nor normal things that I have to do throughout the day. So when I'm in those moments, apps like Todoist really don't do much for me because I just ignore them altogether. Um, so during those kinds of times, I, I look to apps like Habitica. Habitica is really great because it has different functions and you can really customize it any way that you want, but it still allows you to play the game that it's created because it's a gamified app for tasks and task management. So you have this character and you level up the more tasks that you do and the more important your tasks are, if you prioritize them and, and say that they're easy, medium, or hard, 
um, the more points that you get for, you know, you get more points for the hard items and less points for the easy items. And so you level up with these points and then you get little, little gifts that you can, you can purchase with the coins that you also get from uh, doing tasks. And those items are little weapons and armor and accessories and different cute things for your character. And I feel that kind of, I feel like that kind of gamification really, really helps my depressive brain because it's cute, it's really simple, so it doesn't take a lot of energy or a lot of focus. And it makes me do the things that I have to do while playing a game throughout the day. And since it's such a simple game that you're playing and you can't really get extra coins or extra experience points until you do tasks, um, it really makes it, makes it so that you're not wasting time playing a video game. You're really just doing your to-do list. And I think that's really important. And it also has other things that can get you out of depressive states, anxious states, overwhelmed states. Uh, there are groups that you can join. There are different guilds that give you tasks that you can add into your own Habitica profile. Um, there are different reading groups and different depression groups and all that kind of stuff that you can join that give you examples of tasks that you can have in your own in your own to-do lists. And I think that kind of community is really important. So that's what I like about Habitica in that way. It's um, a community of strangers coming together to just get shit done. And I think that's really awesome. And I think if you need accountability with other people, you should join Habitica, you should join one of the groups, you should have people hold you accountable, you should play the little game that it has structured around your to-do list. Um, and hopefully it helps you out because it definitely helped me out in those really tough moments where I couldn't get out of bed, I couldn't shower, I couldn't even brush my teeth, you know? And I think it's really important to address those moments. Not everyone talks about them because we look at those moments as a sign of weakness, but Mental illness is not something to shy away from and be quiet about because a lot of us have to deal with it and it's an everyday struggle, not something that we can just turn off and on as we please. And so finding coping mechanisms and things that work during those moments is really important. And if an app like Habitica helps people out, then that's awesome. If it doesn't, then there are always other things because everyone is so different. So if you're in a really depressive state and you're having trouble staying motivated and you don't know what to do about it, just know that it's okay to try a bunch of different things and have them fail. You're eventually going to find something that helps you stay productive or helps you with your whatever your goal is, whether it's to stay productive or to just do the basic things that you need to do that you're struggling with because mental illness shows up in a lot of different ways and we need to just address it all. So 
ADHD is not the only thing that I've used these things for. Um, I've also used it to kind of kick myself out of depression or depressive, depressive states. So I'll leave that as a tangent in here because I think it's important. Aside from to-do list apps and habit tracking apps, I've also used mood tracking uh, methods. And the first way that I did it was I just did a daily mood journal where I would ask myself how I was feeling in the morning, why I was feeling that way, what the situation was in reality, kind of like write it down in the most plain and most observatory kind of unbiased way. And then I would do it again in the afternoon and again in the evening for myself. But then I realized that I really couldn't keep up with daily journaling like that. And doing it three times a day was really excessive because a lot of the times my mood either wouldn't change or would change drastically. And, and just observing it uh, from a unbiased perspective with the feeling attached to it really didn't help me figure out what to do with that feeling. It only really helped me analyze it and think about it logically, but I never came up with a solution for anything. I think what really changed my mood tracking ability and just the way that I track my mood now um, is the app Youper, and that's Y-O-U-P-E-R, all one word. It's this app that's really great because it has different resources and different tests that you take every two weeks and then every month to track your anxiety levels, to track your PTSD levels, to track your um, depression levels. There are a bunch of different tests that you can take and it's really great because it reminds you that you have a health test to take and it asks you questions about the last two weeks to the last month, depending on how long it's been since you've taken the test. And it just gives you a score and tells you on a graph if you are in a severe state of the you know, depression or PTSD or anxiety disorder, or if you're, you know, getting better, if things are improving. And since it tracks you like that, you get to see on a graph where you are and where you've been. And you can actually bring that to your therapist, which if you're seeing a therapist, which I am, and I often bring the app with me, I pull it up on my phone and I use it as a way to tell my therapist, you know, what's been going on the past few weeks. And the way that I can also do that is because in Youper, there's a personal assistant that's a computer that asks you questions. It asks you every day how you're feeling and it gives you options, which is great because it doesn't just rely on you telling it and having to word it yourself because I know a lot of the times it's really hard to figure out how you're feeling without a list of options to check off. And so Youper gives you those options. It's, it's pretty interesting. It gives you, I think there's at least 
12 to 18 different feelings that you can click on. And then after you click on the feeling, it brings you to a sliding scale and you tell Youper if you're feeling it a lot or if you're just feeling it lightly. And it lets you slide it up the scale. And you know, a lot of the times you're feeling it just kind of halfway or you're not really sure about where the feeling's coming from. So you kind of think that you're only feeling it a little bit. So you have the capacity to slide it wherever you want on the scale and it takes that percentage for you. And it tracks you, it tracks you every single day, it tracks your mood. And then the personal assistant asks you if you wanna describe why you're feeling that way. And it lets you put a personal comment in for the day and for that, for that moment, for that time, which I think is really great because if I'm able to put a personal comment in, when I go to see my therapist, I'm able to talk about those moments that I've described because I normally describe the important moments in the app. So I think that's the main way that I've used Youper to improve my life and to improve the way I remember things and track my mood. There are, are a lot of other functions that Youper has. Um, I just don't use them as often, so it's hard for me to describe them. But it definitely has resources that you can click on for panic disorder and depression and PTSD and all of that. And it lets you meditate and there's guided meditations i believe in it as well and it also has a personality test in it that lets you know what kind of a personality you have so it definitely tries to give you everything that it can as a replacement for a mood journal basically i think it gives you a lot more than you could ask for from a daily journal because you can't really get those resources from your journal. You have to Google them yourself. In Youper, you have all of that and you can just click on it. So it's just right at your fingertips. So aside from habits and mood tracking, I've also needed to find a way to improve my relationship with food. I realized that taking ADHD medication would make it a lot harder to have an appetite. And without an appetite, it's really hard for me to force myself to eat. And so I had to find a way around that. I also really dislike shopping and going through the efforts of going through the store and spending all that time around food and then having to come home and cook it and spend all of that time around the food again. It, makes my appetite go away naturally to do all of those things first to prep and then when i sit down i feel i feel less hungry and i i definitely feel like i can't eat as much i also hate the amount of time and focus that it takes to cook a meal i oftentimes forget about things i overcook them i burn them and even when I set timers, I just, I just fail at cooking a lot of the times. I really wish that I could make a good meal and focus on being present and enjoying all of the steps and the actions, but I just can't. So I have an instant pot or a crock pot uh, that really helps because I'm able to set it up put everything in it, 
follow the simple directions for the one-pot meals that are all over the internet. You can just Google one-pot recipes. You can go on Pinterest and search on Pinterest and find a bunch of different things and add them to a board for, a, for later for yourself, which that's probably my favorite way to keep track of recipes is using the app Pinterest to find them and then pin them to my own little board that keeps track of all the recipes and categories that I create. In the near future, I'm also going to have an air fryer, which is going to make it a lot easier for me to eat foods that I enjoy because fried food is probably one of the best creations that humans have, have made. And so the air fryer is a way for me to have what I want to eat in a pretty quick amount of time and without a lot of extra prep and a lot of a lot of work because frying things without a fryer is super difficult um, and I've done it before but it takes a lot of effort and then there's a lot of cleanup in my experience so I don't do it often. I've also considered using a delivery service for groceries again or at least a pickup service because the amount of time that I can spend in a store even when I have a list and even when I really try to follow that list is pretty ridiculous and not only is it a lot of time to spend in a grocery store and it feels like a waste I also make a lot of impulse buys while I'm at the store things that are not on my list and it really affects my wallet. It also affects my mental health. Um, impulsivity really just creates a lot of more impulsivity in me. And even those small kind of impulse buys end up feeding into larger and larger and larger impulse buys. And I can't afford that right now in my life. So I'm definitely considering doing a pickup service where I click on all of the things that I need, I let someone else do the shopping for me, and then I go, I pick up my groceries, I get home, and all that I have to do is spend the time that I need to prepare the food. I think that would make me feel a lot better than having to spend all of that time in the grocery store, spend all of that time around all of that food, and then come home and have to still cook all of the food. Um, I think just cutting out half of the time that I spend around food would really help me when it came to cooking and eating. So those were my tips and tricks, uh, things that I've tried that have either worked for me or not really worked for me, things that I'd recommend to my personal friends. And I hope that they at least got you thinking about the different ways that you can try to use technology and habits in your own life to help your ADHD brain. They don't have to be the tips and the tricks and the apps that I've mentioned because there is so much technology out there for people to experiment with. 
But you do have to do your own research. You do have to take some time and extend some of your focus into developing those habits and trying out those apps and giving yourself a chance to remember those things. And really, I can't stress enough, I know I've said this a couple of times already, it's really okay to be in a trial and error stage of your ADHD, especially if you are self-diagnosed or if you have just gotten a diagnosis or if you're switching medications. There are just so many instances that we need extra coping mechanisms or we need any coping mechanisms that will help. And being in a trial and error phase of that is just part of the ride because we can't just ask someone which coping mechanism is going to work for us. We need to try it out because everybody is different. Everybody's case of ADHD is going to show up in a different way. And all the variables in their life are going to determine what kind of techniques and habits and coping mechanisms they're going to need. ADHD is complex. There's still so much more that we need to learn about it and how it shows up in our brains. But we do know that it does show up in our brains and that there are ways that we can fight it a little bit at a time and then a little bit more and a little bit more until it's easier to handle on an everyday basis. Some of those ways are with medications, with habits, with mood tracking and therapy. So don't worry, you're not always going to be in that trial and error phase. It's going to go away and you're going to find something that works for you. And it's not always going to feel like your brain is a hot, gooey mess. Thanks for listening. And remember to do good, to be good, and to stay soft. And that honey bear is always, always here for you. Hey there, you've been listening to A Soft Mess. We're an experimental podcast that delves into the intersections of mental health, identity, radical vulnerability, self-love, and self-care. Just so you know, this series is not meant to be treated as a medical resource, as we are not healthcare providers or mental health practitioners. While we may share self-care techniques coping mechanisms, and other life skills. Our main goal is to share experiences and stories for and from marginalized communities and groups. If you're struggling with mental illness, trauma, abuse, or any of the other areas this series may cover, we urge you to consider reaching out to a mental health provider or support group in your area. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or would like to share a story with our listeners, please email us at thebearcaveco at gmail.com. That's spelled T-H-E-B-A-R-E-C-A-V-E-C-O 
at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. We always want to learn and grow in our perspectives, as well as share other voices on the podcast. So don't be shy, we're here for you. We also use that email to accept donations via PayPal. If you like what we do and want episodes to air more frequently, that's one of the best ways to make that happen. Some other ways are, instead of making a monetary donation, to share the podcast with a friend and to go rate us five stars on your favorite podcast listening platform. Thank you so much for keeping a soft mess a part of your life. It means so much to us.